Hey everybody, this is Zach. Hey, this is Mr. Press for Time. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the 1981 movie Night Riders. But first, uh, we got some unique A message from our sponsors. <laughs> right, come on. Not, not spot. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. What, who, who are we sponsored by this movie? <laughs> uh, we're sponsored by uh, Yakety Yakoff's Yankers. Uh, when you need oh, okay. something to yank, uh, just pull on this crank. And um, yeah, really happy about first. this relationship. <laughs> uh, we thought this was something that would really serve our customers. Oh, yeah. And uh, we said no to, um, uh, you know, all these mobile games. Uh, but once Yakety Yankers came on, we're just like, yeah, uh, fuck Mobile Legends. Uh, Yakety Yankers is where it's at. So everybody enjoy. <laughs> Fuck Mobile Legends, fuck, fuck Genshin Impact, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going with, yeah. with uh, unless that. unless you like them, and then that's okay too. Just buy a Yakety Yanker. Yeah, we're we're just going to yank that crank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I figure first we can go through some Mimi Me's. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, did you want me to start off this this uh, particular one? Uh, yeah, I started the last one, so that's good. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, I uh. Wow, we haven't recorded in a bit, so I I have a, a fair amount of stuff. So, um, oh, Jesus, last Get night we, we yeah strap in. We uh we watched uh, Jackass Forever. Uh, finally, <laughs> we're a little bit late to the party, but my local library had it. They like had just put it out. Um, the the librarian even commented, "Oh wow, this wasn't on the shelf long." I I just put that out at like ten this morning, <laughs> but um. Yeah, no, it's it's actually really good. It's probably as good as the first one if you're a fan of of watching grown adult men hurt themselves very badly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's interesting to have uh, something like with uh, that kind of longevity. Um, yeah, still have some cultural resonance. Yeah. yeah, it's well, it's funny the um, the newer guys uh that they have on there are all like we we watched there's a, a jackass 4.5 thing which is kind of the behind the scenes it's not really part of the movie it's it's a um more commentary and behind the scenes of them talking about setting up certain stunts and like where they found this person where they found that person because they do have a lot of younger guys on there but the older cast do things that i think are way more dangerous um yeah. which which is really funny to watch like the um the older or the, the the younger guys do things like you know there's one guy that's that's uh really really large and so they lube him up and they they send him down this giant dune into a big pile of rocks right Jesus and it's Christ. like yeah like <laughs> that's painful but that's that's not like uh johnny knoxville um getting spun around by a bull and sent to the hospital because he broke his wrist broke his ribs and got so concussed that they were worried like on screen they were worried that he had died (laughs) because he wasn't like he just like dropped and wasn't moving anymore (laughs) yeah um 
and I mean, then he like pushes himself up off the ground and you find out later he broke his wrist. And it's like, man, he fucked himself up so bad that he didn't notice that he had a broken wrist and he's no. still just like, ha next, next skit or whatever. And they're like, no, 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 you have to go in the ambulance and go to the hospital for a few days. man. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, I think, um, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because it's something, uh, the essence of that is so primordial to the um, beginning of the internet entertainment. Yeah. But it's also something that is primordial just for like entertainment purposes, like watching people, you know, hurt themselves for yeah. the camera. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I will say, so if, if, uh, this doesn't particularly bother me, but, um, if there's anyone out there that has a problem with seeing a lot of like dick on screen at the same time, like this, this one in terms of runtime has way more dick on screen than any of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, that's that's in one of the uh, the warnings as part of the rating. Way more dick on screen in this one. Yeah, yeah. The MPAA was like, there's there's way too much dick in this. <laughs> um. But no, I mean, like the movie opens with with like you know the the other movies are known for their spectacular openings, right, uh, or spectacle mm-hmm. openings, and this one opens with a uh, Godzilla, quote unquote, or a kaiju going down the streets of some town and demolishing things. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's it's Chris Pontius's dick that's been painted green with googly eyes on it. Whoa. <laughs> So Is like, it like a blow you... or he well, so, yeah, they, well they green screened him in so like they they mm-hmm. shot the thing on a model and then they built the model to replicate the actual roads that they were going to be shooting on mm, okay um yeah so so like it's it's a little bit of visual fakery there but mm-hmm. you know like they let you know in the first like 10 seconds what this movie is gonna be <laughs> it's fantastic um it's it's very much i can see why people were raving about this movie when it was in theaters especially with it coming out right after the pan or the pandemic's still going on but coming out when theaters were starting to open back up and people felt Uh safe going back to to theaters in mass um you know there's no bam because he's uh kind of a, a problematic person um, he's having a lot of issues yeah. which i'm fine with like he was always kind of a shitty ed- edgelord you know mm-hmm. um i'm i'm fine with with like you know johnny knoxville actually seems to be like a decent person <laughs> yeah. um it's really funny watching the behind the scenes stuff because apparently they all walk around with tasers in their pocket and if like there was a game on set to like make sure people were paying attention to their surroundings the entire time um, mm-hmm. you see them like tase the shit out of each other <laughs> like behind the scenes um there's there's one stunt where uh i forget what it what the name of it was but it, it's like mime school i think and the point was that uh the people had to do these increasingly painful things to themselves without making a sound. So like one of the newer people, um, she licks the arc of a taser like three or four times and doesn't make a sound. Um, 
so she she wins another guy has to kiss a rat snake and it it um bites the shit out of him three or four times doesn't make a sound um and then yeah steve-o gets in and they guillotine chop with a skateboard his shins um yeah (laughs) it's it's uh it's not pretty like he apparently was like yeah it didn't hurt very much but i made the sound because i forgot i wasn't supposed to make a sound Uh, yeah no it's it's very funny it's 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 it is a funny movie if you are the type of person that um finds it funny when people hurt themselves um you know intentionally though like these are all willing participants yeah these are all people who have signed on the dotted line and said yeah i'm fine with this give me that bag um yeah so you know it's fine it's it's uh yeah, like most of them are professionals. The ones that aren't are aspiring professional. Oh, I, I mean, I guess technically they are professionals since they got money for being in this movie. Um, but you know what I mean? Like the older guys have 20 years of experience doing this exact type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine um, stunt guys might have um, similar things as to like how to fall, you know, without hurting yeah. yourself too bad. Or how to take like a really hard hit, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's a very specialized set of skills, as Mister uh, Mason would say. Yeah, I mean you've you've got a you've got to have a willing disregard for your own personal safety to do what a lot of these people do. Um, but then some of it comes down to like just knowing. You know, like you were saying, like just knowing what you are capable of and, and what you're 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 willing to do or not. Because like there's a lot of people that like in the movie that demonstrate, oh yeah, no, I know how to handle animals. So like I'm I'm going to handle the scorpion, right? Mm-hmm. While while it's giving someone scorpion Botox by stinging the crap out of their lips. Oh, Jesus. Because I've oh. I'm trained I'm a trained animal handler. Like I know how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that it doesn't like sting him in the eyeball or some shit. Yeah, exactly, and it, it doesn't like clamp on onto her. Like so, so he's like, yeah, no, I can hold it down this way, so it it's not going to sting me. It will sting her exactly where I need it to <laughs> for this shot. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, there, there yeah, is female like... female uh, representation. I haven't seen any but the first one. Is that a rather? Oh new yeah, scene? no, there's yeah. This is the first time they they've done it. She doesn't do anything that's like like grievous bodily harm like she Mm -hmm. she's the one that licks the taser um Mm -hmm. and she does the she gets the scorpion botox but she's not the one that to like um light her farts underwater and have the the device they built to do that explode um or jump in the ring with a bull blindfolded (laughs) just figure it out like she's not doing things like that (laughs) How does the scorpion Botox uh, turn out? Is it is it positive? Would you would you recommend people? No, no, I wouldn't. It didn't really change the shape of her face. She said she couldn't feel anything, and it's like, yeah, it's it's probably because the poison numbs you. It it doesn't like actually make you swell up, but like she she doesn't. It doesn't look like anyone has gotten Botox. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I recommend that. And if you're okay with with watching people hurt themselves, some some things my wife had to leave the room for because 
she experiences these like um like I guess she has enough empathy to be watching something happen to someone physically and then be like, ow, that hurts, right? Mm-hmm. When they fall. Whereas, like, I will see, and, and if if they fall right, and <laughs> they just end up hurting themselves and not maiming themselves, I'm like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I guess there's something in my brain that doesn't, doesn't connect with that. But if you're the same way, um, this is a very funny movie. Uh, we also watched... Um, Oh, well, these are two movies, but but they're they're largely the same, um, and they're on Disney Plus. Um, but they're the the live action Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass movies, um, which are like, I don't know. I feel like they got a bad rap, and and no one really watched the second one. But they're actually really cool sci fi fantasy movies. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the first one. Um, yeah, the first one is cool, right? Like, it has the giant Jabberwocky fight. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one with uh, uh, Helen... What's her name? Oh, uh, Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. Carter. Is the, yeah, yeah, is the Red Queen. Yeah. I thought visually it was really fun. I enjoyed it more than the, the reimagining of the Willy Wonka movie, which I thought was kind of... Oh God, yeah that that one was yeah it was kind of lackluster. Um, the sequel to it's really cool. They lean way more heavily into the like sci-fi fantasy aspect rather than just like children's nursery book type fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I definitely recommend it if you're looking for something um, that kind of suits those interests. Um, yeah, I didn't think I was going to like it when I watched it. Yeah, yeah, one, well, and, and I, I don't want to talk about these as much because they're not, they're more spoilery than than Jackass. So I will just say, uh-huh. if you have Disney Plus and you want to see these movies, um, they're included in there. You should watch them. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, let's see, we also watched through um, uh, Black Widow finally. Um, mm. I gotta say, uh, <laughs> it's really soft. I was really it's, disappointed in that movie. I was really, really disappointed. It so part of it. It feels like it came about ten years too late. Um, mm-hmm. Like if this were coming out in two thousand nine or two thousand ten, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it would have made more sense. Like as it is, it's it solely exists to um introduce you to the next iteration of the character like that's it that like there's no other purpose for this movie i don't see any of these other characters coming back um like you know i'd like what was it red menace to come back yeah the red menace is funny but like i I don't know i don't see him coming back Uh (laughs) Um, it's I mean, it, it, it's okay. It's just kind of box standard, and it didn't really advance the story. Like, the, the way that they introduced the new one, um, like, they could have done that in the Disney shows the way they did, and it would have been fine. And you could yeah. have thrown maybe two or three minutes worth of dialogue to kind of cover the events of this movie. 
Um, yeah, and I feel like uh, if it it uh, when you have the main character not really be the most charismatic presence on the screen, yeah, that that's kind of detracts from what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, like I would have I would have watched a a movie about her sister because she was just more seemed to be more plugged in and more committed to the story and et cetera. Yeah, you know, Florence Pugh does a does a really good job. Um, yeah, I you know, and it's funny. I like I kind of feel like they're introducing this so that they can introduce something like Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers, maybe. Um, although that, yeah, yeah, that's probably yep. a step too far. They're probably not going to do anything with Dark Avengers. Um, yeah, Thunderbolt but, though. Uh, I mean, Ross, that actor, he's he's dead now, right? Yeah. The guy who was yeah. playing. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Uh, William Hurt is not dead. John Hurt died. Um, but yeah, no. Th- Thunderbolt Ross, the that that actor is still alive. Is he? Yeah. Oh, he passed away. Uh. Man, I I must have missed it if he did because. I mean, I, oh I was shit! Like, no, he did. He did die in March of this year. Yeah. Holy shit, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sad. Well, yeah, maybe they're not doing a Thunderbolts movie. <laughs> I mean, they'd have to bring someone else in, um, you know, to kind of take over that role. Um, or like his, you know, his daughter or something, or who yeah, technically I mean, they be could... related to the, the Hulk or... Yeah, they, I mean, they could do any number of things. I mean, I'm sure Liv Tyler would come back um, mm-hmm. in in a in a supporting role like that. Um, and yeah, like I don't want to cape too hard for Scarlett Johansson, but the situation mm-hmm. around this movie is like super fucked. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, I, I I don't know if anyone remembers, but this is one of those instances where she sued Disney um, Uh because Disney part of her contract was not, was under the impression that, yeah, like you'll get a certain percentage of the gross when this goes to theaters, then the pandemic happened. And so they sat on it and then they released it to streaming first, which she gets no cut of because it wasn't stipulated, which now why it wasn't stipulated in her contract in the first place is another thing. And it's like, I'm not in the habit of defending millionaires getting more money, but you know, like <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend Disney either. <laughs> like, yep. um, that's a really shitty thing to do to one yeah. of your, one of the, the actors. And I mean, her suing them probably means she's never going to be in another Marvel thing again. So um, maybe, they, they tried to play nice after and be like, well, you know, we want to continue a relationship, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, Robin, Robin Williams eventually ended up forgiving Disney. You know? So I feel like... It could yeah, happen. yeah, that's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, this this movie, it, it just seems like a placeholder. Um, and it's it's a real weird movie to start off the next phase with because yeah. it doesn't I mean I, 
Yeah, like ahead. it still has a foot. It still has a foot in the prior phase. Like I don't. I don't know why yeah. you would include that. Include that in phase four. Because. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is actually. Now that I say that, um, it it could be still like it could be the last movie in the Infinity Saga, but I don't think it is. Yeah, no, I think that chapter ends with the. Spider-Man, right? Uh, With the Far From. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Oh, they are making a Thunderbolts movie. Yeah, there's been rumors about it for a bit. Yeah, no, so Black Widow starts off Phase 4. And that just, it seems like a really inauspicious start because it... It takes place in the in the last phase. Like, why why do I give a shit about <laughs> what happened between the two movies last time after the second movie came out? Yeah, it doesn't really have. A, there's no sense of mystery in the yeah. regard, like which I, I won't harp on again. But I think mystery is so important for storytelling, and then it does just serve the purpose of introducing Florence Pugh's character, um, which. And she could have been she came in in Hawkeye um yeah and uh she if you had just seen Hawkeye you'd be like oh she's really fucking funny and uh, she really has a lot of camera presence um so you didn't even need to like sacrifice the Black Widow movie to do that because it just it could have just been what we wanted which was like she's done so many cool badass missions why don't we just show some of these badass missions that she's been on? Um, I mean, you know, you know what is a better uh, a better a better Black Widow movie than this one is uh, uh-huh. Red Sparrow. Uh, Atomic Blonde is a better Black Widow movie than yeah. this one. Um, you know, like they, there's the Marvel got beat to the punch. Uh, um, uh-huh someone else got that bag first and yeah i'm i I, and that's the thing is i don't hate this movie it's just it's it's kind of beige like it just exists like it it seems like a placeholder that that should have come out way before um yeah i mean you you could have done the first half of this movie i think um Maybe after Ultron, um, maybe I don't know in phase in actually phase three, like in between um, Infinity War and Endgame. Um, it's just it seems strange because, like like you said, there's no sense of mystery. There's no sense of like, oh my gosh, how's Black Widow going to get out of this one? Because it's like, well, I I, I know where she goes, so. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that solo movie where it's like, yeah, there's there's no sense of like danger or what's going to happen to this character because ultimately I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, to you can you can still do it though. Like uh, even when you know like how something's going to uh, end up, you can still have people invested, which is why we rewatch movies. You know, yeah. even after like we know what's going to happen. Yeah, we've seen them. Like I can watch John Wick again. Um, and still feel tension in certain parts, even though I know where the ending's going, because how it's setting you up, like it still takes you from a, 
all the way to D and then sees like a bunch of tension that gets released. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's possible. It just, it, you have to get the audience investment in that. Um, and I just feel like you really, you really don't in some ways. Um, the yeah. family thing wasn't bad. I think the family relationship was, was all right and well acted by, you know, a bunch of actors who obviously know their craft. Yeah, I mean, Rachel but, Weisz and David Harbour are fantastic as her parents. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the the central baddie. Like, he just doesn't feel very substantive. And that trip that she's going into the Sky Castle thing doesn't feel very substantive. And then the the blur of CG when, like, spoiler alert, the big thing blows up. And then they're all <laughs> in the sky and they're flying down. It's lasers in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you you'd see this in the trailer, so it's not even really a spoiler. Um, yeah. So you just don't you don't feel invested because the the suspension of disbelief is long gone. One because I'm looking at the CG that they could have just spent more money on. Um, but then other scenes like when they go get her um, adoptive dad, you know, Red Menace from yeah. from the uh, the jail. That I was like, oh, this is cool, you know. Watching him run, run through the little uh, way that they, uh, you know, get him uh, broken out. Like that's, you know, that's a good scene. Um, There's a scene after that 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 kind of bugged me, <laughs> though, where mm-hmm. like they 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 have a lack of continuity for the sake of a joke, and you know, like it, they they do the thing where he's like he's talking to them and he's being very expressive and very emotive or whatever, but he's not wearing a headset. And so they both act like they can't hear hear him. And yeah. then two minutes later, they all have no headsets on and they're just having a conversation. It's like, well, you, yeah. you, you undercut your own joke <laughs> previously. Like what, are, yeah. what are you doing? Like that just seems like a writing problem. <laughs> yeah. Got to get them jokes on screen. Um, do you absolutely do and this I mean this isn't to go into that whole Marvel fatigue thing I'm I'm so tired of hearing podcasts talk about how they don't like Marvel movies anymore like I still will be there to see Marvel movies I still like them I just I don't like this particular one um, yeah it'll be up and down um, yeah 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 and it, it doesn't have anything to, it, it doesn't have anything to do with like the sexist component either like it's um because you know you see a whole lot of that especially with like i just i feel like this was placed wrong in in the order of movies that came out and so it ultimately is just kind of like a fizzle um yeah it's, it's connective tissue that you know between this thing with between one section and one section but it's connective tissue that we weren't really invested in knowing about regardless yeah. like yeah. We didn't know anything about her meeting her sister, you know, or her red minister dad here. We didn't really care what she was doing in those five years, you know. So it's connective tissue that doesn't have an initial like buy-in. Yeah. And so if it doesn't initially, then you need to build it, you know. Yeah. Um, and in spite of some, yeah, the opening's strong, and I was yeah, like, like the oh, first, okay. First fifteen minutes or so, mm-hmm. like if they had included that in. Florence Pugh talking about her backstory and how she knows Natasha um, and Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. 
Sorry to interrupt you. And, I, <laughs> no, no, and you have the you have the level of tension there that's needed for the movie, um, and you have like the pacing and the setup, and you have oh mystery because you're like oh what's going on here you know yeah who are these oh are they her parents oh there's some spy shit going on here uh, obviously and so you have mystery uh, and then that gets answered you know rather quickly yeah um, and so. It, it brings back, okay, why didn't we just set this way back in the past? I get maybe it would make it difficult to make this connective tissue, but who cares in regards to just having a good movie? Yeah. Like it, That's been done before where movies are made and they're like, listen, we just wanted to make this movie if we wanted to. And we thought this was an interesting story. It doesn't need to be connective tissue. Right. Because um, they're not even they're not even really doing that anymore now to like a huge degree like no. things don't have to be so sequentially connected um well like they're they're 25 movies deep now so like people kind of yeah. know you know oh if i watch this one and not the previous two like it's exactly like picking a comic book off the rack in your comic store mm -hmm. like yeah it's it makes it feel more comic booky uh, yeah. which, which i like like i don't need an explanation for every single thing i see on screen but if at least you're be interested, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're interested, you can go see that other series, or yeah, you know, whatever. You know, you can go if you're curious as to what happened. There are there aren't going to be any little thought bubbles that say, "Hey, these adventures reference things between X Men issues ninety three through ninety seven. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, you're not going to see those, but you know, you'll realize. You know, there with gaps in the. Uh, you know, the media there. Because even like uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, I'm sure stuff will come up from there again. Um, yeah. You know, if I you still get, argue uh, that could have been a movie instead of mm -hmm. the show. Like, they could have cut a lot of fat from that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's interesting to see media. So, yeah. I have other thoughts on it, but I'll just save that for my meaning time. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I, I have a couple things left. So we, we've wrapped oh, up. Um, well, it's a short TV show, but it's it's uh, it's on Amazon Prime, uh, Clarkson's Farm, um, where if, if you're a fan of Top Gear, uh, it's Jeremy Clarkson um, working on a farm that he owns like he because he owns a large estate out in the country. Um, and he has made a show, I think they're putting out a season two i don't think it's out yet but um first season's only like six episodes um and so like the first two were shot before the pandemic and then the last four um like the second episode i think ends on this cliffhanger where he's like yeah so if nothing goes wrong we should actually see some profit this year and it's like plays news news clips <laughs> pandemic happening um and so now he can't like have workers and like so he literally has to do a bunch of this stuff himself um and i mean he has like field hands that will will show up and like who are specialists and will will help him out um and give him direction maybe not do it for him but but give him direction on how how to do whatever the task is um, and it's it's kind of funny to just hear him get frustrated and like, God damn it, I can't work this tractor. <laughs> what so is, is this, wrong is with this, this more, tractor? 
Is this oh. more Top Gear than it is like this old house? I'm kind of confused as to no, what. No, it's it's more it's more this old house. He like he does okay. shit like like he because he's a car guy. Um, you know, he buys this this like Lamborghini tractor, which they make like they're they're modern tractors. Um, and his his uh, field supervisor hand like sees it and goes yeah that looks cool but like i don't know this tractor from the 50s is going to be more useful on your land like why did you buy this multi-million dollar piece of equipment like you don't need this yeah and sure enough like he ends up in situations where because the difference is like the type of thing you need a lighter uh, a ladder to climb up into the the cabin to and mm-hmm. something you can just kind of like throw your leg over the seat and, and drive around in. Um, yeah. And yeah, there are several instances where it's like, yeah, you, <laughs> some of your things are at the bottom of a very hilly terrain. So you need the tiny thing, not the thing that's going to flip upside down because you're in England and not Italy. And there's a very yeah. different soil composition. There. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to get stuck in the mud. Um, so how'd you get on that? Are you a fan of Top Gear or? Yeah, I I love Top Gear. I got onto it because okay. my um my my dad started watching it. My mom and dad watch a lot of like English murder mystery things, and so their their uh, prime will recommend because they watch a lot of BritBox, all these other British shows, and so my dad started watching it because he grew up on a on a um, beef farm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like he started watching it and he's just like, hey, I know you like Top Gear. This show is funny as shit. <laughs> you, you should check this out. Um, and, you know, like he, he has all these schemes in it where um, like he opens up a, a uh, farm to table shop and sells goat cheese and honey and wasabi because he decides to start growing wasabi um apparently per pound it's it's the most expensive um thing but because it's so expensive no one buys it and so it rots on his shelf um, <laughs> which that's the lesson uh, here but um hmm. yeah like at the end of the 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 season he's working with his accountant um and they're like the whole purpose like the 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 summation of the show which isn't necessarily a spoiler like it's largely a comedy show but his larger point is hey this is hard work and the people who do it need to have a little bit more support in what they're doing Mm -hmm. rather than larger corporate farming is like his accountants breaking out how much it cost him to run this farm versus the profits he got from it and the profits are like he made like 15 bucks over the course of the year right (laughs) so like he's not making money doing it like the people who are growing your food are not necessarily making money growing your food they're they're just making enough to live on (laughs) um they're committed to doing it obviously yeah yeah yeah, well, and, and even sometimes not that. Sometimes, you know, it's government subsidies. Um, which, yeah, I mean, a lot of people make fun of, of government subsidies, but it's like, hey, um, there was this time of period in the 20s and 30s called the Dust Bowl. <laughs> um, that's what happens when you're not paid to not grow things on your land. Um, 
Music. Which, yeah, like, I don't know. Um, the So yeah, I recommend that show. Um, the other thing is, is, I don't know what to... Like, I have it labeled as music video slash short film slash video album. Um, it's So it's on Netflix. It's Sturgill Simpson Presents Sound and Fury. And Sturgill Simpson is a... Um, I would call him maybe like an alt country or like a new outlaw country style country artist. Um, and it's, it's kind of like an anime music video, but it's for the entire album. So it's like a 45 minute short film that's all animated. And it's really cool. cool. Kind of, kind of like, like Daft Punk. Um, the music's really cool because he's like, he leans more into like, like garage rock like dance punk sounds um rather than like there's still that country twang here and there because he's ultimately a country artist but um yeah no i i I recommend it it's it's short enough it's kind of like what what daft punk did with their what is it inner interstellar five 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 that like anime thing that 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 animated their their singles into one long work um yeah that was really cool yeah yeah there, there, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff in this this music video um which again is like 40 minutes 45 minutes something like that um album length um and then the last thing on my list is injustice 2 i played through injustice 2 finally um oh, cool it's very short. It was surprisingly short. I, I think I played through it in like a day or two. Um, mm-hmm. The story mode. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, I I will always reiterate, I love dumb media tie-in things. The Injustice comic book series is actually really good. Um, that's kind of what got me into the game. Um, mm-hmm. And it actually references things that happen in the comics that don't happen in the first game um so it's 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 really tight from a story perspective like they you can tell they worked with the writers of the comic to actually form this the world that this wb property is operating in um Mm. i like all the characters that they managed to work into it um it, it was really weird i at first i couldn't tell if they were using kevin conroy and tara strong and people like that like i I don't know if it's because they weren't mic'd properly or if they were trying something different with their voices but but it it was very difficult to tell that their uh voice actors were the the proper ones um and yeah like it's short um i i can see how the type of person who's interested in loot boxes would get drawn into playing this game for much longer um because they they have this mechanic in there that kind of turns it into a role-playing game where you um gather up your your wins and you you unlock certain mother boxes to to open up and they give you uh items that you can put onto your character so like i have a version of batman that has like weird fatigue tactical pants um like a, the the 90s uh run like bright blue gloves bright blue cape and then this like weird gritty owl man looking helmet 
on like he looks like a like a fucking ghoul um and they increase his stats when i use him online to play um there's actually still a pretty good online community um you know i've played multiple matches with with the same people like i I haven't run into anyone that's gonna like rage quit because they're losing like they're just like okay yeah give me a run back let me let's let's do a rematch and if they lose a second time then it's like okay we'll we'll pick another character (laughs) which is is good like it's it's one of the few positive interactions i think that i've i've uh encountered in online multiplayer in the fighting game community yeah Um, and i was surprised that there's still a community because this game is kind of old but (laughs) um you know, I'm I'm not going to continue it. I don't think because I'm not the type of person that's interested really in like new shinies necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's fun, but I I've got some weirdo Gonzo looking characters because I'm the type of person that if I'm playing an RPG and I have this ridiculous clown shoes looking character because it's because they all provide benefit. <laughs> Right? like i'm i'm going to make the character with with the uh, the master chief helmet and the thor's hammer and the rainbow pants <laughs> yeah. i thought it was cool i played it a little bit um just through the story yeah. um again i don't really grind um online competitively um for anything i think there was like there's a little bit of people who were upset about the loot box implementation for like cosmetics with stats but yeah i don't think it ended up being really that big of a deal um no and i don't know i mean i guess there is a way to spend real money to buy it but like it's it's frustrating that there are actual mechanical stat differences in Mm -hmm. in putting on some of these items like if it were just cosmetic it'd be like whatever i don't care like yeah throw Mm -hmm. in loot boxes if people want to buy them that's fine but like, I don't know, with my Batman outfit, I I have like an 80% chance of blocking um, trips, for example, <laughs> trips and throws um, based on the based on the numbers that that affects. And it's like, I don't that that doesn't seem fair. I didn't spend any money to get it. Like this is, these are just from the boxes that you open up as you play through the game and then play online competitively. Um <clears throat> But I, I don't know. That, that just seems like uh, a lot of edge for a random number generator item, you know? So, yeah. I wish it were just it's, cosmetic. <laughs> yeah. But even then, I mean, it does offer the opportunity of like, oh, well, yeah, it can make the game more interesting because then you have different like feature sets and et cetera, different kind of builds. Um, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to kind of balance a game in any real fashion to kind of yeah. figure out what, what would be a fair way to implement that. Whether it's yeah. just like giving everybody the different items, you know, once you play, like you get to unlock these and there is no buy option, you know? Yeah. Um, that would be preferable. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only way to get rid of, um, you know, some kind of pay-to-win incentive. Um, but even then, I mean, it's it's really going to only be the casual folk who are going to be like, oh, well, these are our builds. Um, 
you know, oh, look at this cool piece of gear that I have that helps me out. Because there's either two ways, either uh, people in the competitive fashion would normalize, like competitive gamers would normalize certain builds or outlaw certain items or whatever, or they would make it so that they only fight with like just stock characters, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, To reduce the randomness. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's probably on super sale by now. Um, oh, probably. Yeah, I mean, this has been sh- sitting on my shelf for a while. <laughs> yeah. um, at least five years. Um, so. But yeah, I mean, that's that's me. Uh, did you want to? Did you have anything you wanted to uh, talk about? I got five minutes. Five minutes of material. Um, <laughs> no, I've been watching uh, the. Um, Several things, um, other than moving. I moved, so that was hellacious. That was a lot. Um, so it was a move. I have a new job. Those are all very boring things. They're not media related, but <laughs> they influence how much media I can consume. Even if I didn't have that, um, I don't think I could ever, I could ever catch up to you, Zach. You, uh, well it's not a pissing master, contest it's just we haven't recorded in a while so it's just kind of like backed yeah. up <laughs> no i mean you just you're uh, it's it's not just the amount but your tastes vary also like you have a huge <laughs> gradient of like tastes and interests um whereas i i tend to have more narrow focus and i just i just kind of bump into things accidentally um and i have things that i'm genuinely interested in but that I probably just won't get to watch. You know, I'm sure you have the same thing. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I still want to see the new Candyman remake, but that'll probably never happen. For me. Um, it's on Prime right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you could, you could, it, <laughs> the play button could be right in front of me right now, Zach, and I probably wouldn't watch it. Oh, um, oh that's heartbreaking. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. So, um, but I did watch. Uh, the uh, latest episodes of the Miss Marvel show on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Um, and I have to say, is very cute. Um, the main uh, female actress, uh, I do not know her name, but that's not because I know other actors' names. Um, <laughs> it's mostly just because I'm. Like I knew the guy that died. I knew that General Ross had died. I did not but know his name know was William Hurt. No, yeah. no, no idea. <laughs> I saw him. I saw his face, uh, and I, I saw when he died in March. Um, but I, I wasn't going to know his name. All right. So uh, Iman Vellani, yeah, uh, who plays Kamala Khan. Um. So, yeah. Um. She's great. She's very charismatic. Um, she's very um, bubbly. Um, Which, I mean, she's the, supposed to be 16, right? So, Yeah, but the, the there's other actors um, in there who are supposed to be around that age. She has um, like an Anna Kendrick kind of vibe um, where there's like a lightness. You know, I don't know if you've seen Anna Kendrick in in rom-coms or other things like that. Mm -hmm. But she's very quick, you know, and very, like, emotive and expressive. Yeah. And so that's the kind of energy uh, I I get off her performance. 
um, where there's just like a, there's a confidence yeah. in her performance um, and there's just whimsy, you know, there's a lot of whimsy. Mm. Um, and so I feel a lot of those same kind of um, Kendrick vibes, at least in that, that aspect of it. Um, no one uh, try to message me saying that they're nothing alike. <laughs> they're obviously two different people. I mean, I have a hold, strong enough hold on reality to realize they're two different people different persons but um so that show uh doesn't run so far hasn't run the risk of where you kind of know the beats and then you're not really invested like you still obviously know the beats that are coming because you know what kind of show it is the demographic the general storyline maybe you know something about the character whatever but it's done well enough in a way that uh you still have investment Sure. And entertained. At least I'm entertained. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to watch the next episode. There's nothing that one-to-one, like, relates to, like, my experience in any in a particular way. Um, at least from, like, a direct cultural experience. But I've enjoyed it. So um, props to that. Uh, I think her performance has been great. Um, I'm on I've seen her in fan uh feeling for it i think it's strong um yeah um that's surprising i mean just considering how how trolls reacted to captain marvel yeah the thing um i think it's probably too that there isn't a ton of investment in this character as like a like a titular marvel like powerhouse of a character you know not yeah, something as iconic been recently created right because she's from what like the 2010s yeah yeah and so you know she's uh you know the first uh you know pakistani um superhero i would guess to say within that new line and iteration of marvel trying to increase some um, diversity of characters in print and then now you know on screen um, so people are able to come to it and just be like, oh, okay, you, you, there's less baggage when you're coming up to something like that. Whereas, like, if you're, um, you know, watching the Captain America, the first Avenger, like, you're you're kind of expecting, like, a certain thing from Captain America, maybe, if you're, like, a comic book fan. I mean, he's never really been, like, like an X-Man, you know, with his own, like, line, you know, or like a Wolverine. Um, he does have his fans and he does have, you know, obviously Civil War in the comics and uh, that other one, you know, where he, he plays a, um, um, you know, actually a secret Hydra agent and stuff. So he obviously has, you know, interesting storylines. Um, but I don't think there's that kind of investment into like, oh, well, I have my conceptions of what this character should be Yeah, for a majority of people. Um her powers uh, visually are a little different, and I think they wanted to do two things: one, make them more interesting visually; two, oh, so she uh, doesn't have the giant weird like block. She does. Hands that, oh, she does. She does. Oh, okay, she does. I, except, see, I like that. <laughs> see, they, she does, but they're not. Um, they're not like Plastic Man, you know. They're oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Because the problem is, if, if you say boo, but go back to watch Fantastic Four, 
and watch uh, Reed Richards and watch him stretch and watch how shitty it looks. Because uh, it's hard. One? The Josh Train. Any of them. The... <laughs> any of them. Any fucking any of them. Um, because it's hard to do that stretch characteristic and the morph things out of proportion um, and make it look good, uh, I think. It's hard to make that yeah. look good. Because um, you can so make is it, it just like needed. force fields instead that she's kind of. Yeah, so okay. yeah, so they, she, she has a, like power manipulation. Um, and so she is able to like enlarge a hand and do stuff like that. But it has like a strong like visual flair element, kind of like Captain Marvel when she's like powered up and she's got like the the striations of like flames and stuff coming off. Oh, okay. It's a it's a little bit more visually like that, um, which I think makes more sense with the name copying. You know, her being Miss Marvel, yeah, there being a Captain Marvel, um, rather than it just being like, oh, she's was a huge fan, so she you know ended up being called uh you know miss marvel and stuff um the art style uh for all the graphic art stuff is kind of in the same vein as um you know um spider-verse stuff not not spider-verse but like all the like graphic pop art stuff that comes on in like during the intros um and end credit scenes and the same thing with spider-man kind of like that graphic pop art young art stuff Gotcha. So that's always refreshing. That's uh, you know, it's interesting and it's lighthearted, uh, which I feel that um, Marvel can always do a little bit more with. You know, uh, I feel like the Dar- the Darcy character is always really fun to see because she is just very lighthearted. I, I do really like Kat Dennings' appearances whenever she makes. Yeah, them. <laughs> and, I mean, Kat, Kat Dennings is great. I mean, she's she's funny as hell. Um, and uh, charismatic, and like part of my favorite parts of WandaVision are Kat Dennings' character and the agent character. I think what his name is. Uh, Ken, um, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his obsession with like, you know, he has his card trick, or he gets to like, you know, play like, uh, you know, the straight the straight man to uh, Kat Dennings' like goofier character. Um, and Jimmy so the lighthearted Woo. stuff. Agent yeah. Jimmy Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it has a, a little bit more of that lighter touch there. And, um, you feel for her performance, um, Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's great. It's great. I, I don't mind her not having those big goofy ass hands and stretchy <laughs> things. I think that also separates her from, you know, the obvious Reed Richards that's on the horizon. Um, who's gonna, who's gonna have to commit to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, from a visual perspective, and um, I, I would, I just think it's probably more expensive to do, to have like poor stretch and to have like that, unless you go the plastic man route. Because plastic man is hilarious because it goes into the ridiculous, right? Yeah. Like he's going to make himself into a pogo stick or a balloon yeah. or something, and he's going to have them ridiculous ass shorts. And it's funny, you know, and it, it lends itself to that. Uh, whereas you don't, I don't really want that uh, with with a Miss Marvel character. Um, even watching, I don't know if you saw the trailers for the uh, Avengers game that um, Square oh, put no, out like two years ago. Yeah, because 
Miss Marvel is uh, like a character that's trying to like basically bring back the Avengers, bring it back together to fight, you know, stuff. And you see her big stretchiness, and I'm just like, it's just fucking goofy. It's just so goofy looking. <laughs> um, and it can be cool, but it brings me back to um, there's some Hanna Barbera cartoons where uh, you have these characters that are stretchy and goofy. I forget if it's the one with like the that weird dinosaur who's kind of like a triceratops if mixed with a tank. And then you have those two little gooey, gooey creatures. Um, and, oh, the uh, Herculoids? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, maybe Herculoids. Um, and then watching watching that and then be all uh, stretchy. Yeah, it is the Herculoids. And you have those two gooey things. And how they kind of just like bounce around and like do different things. It's just, it's just, it's silly. And that's fine. But um, I like this interpretation better for the screen. Um, just because I'm a graphics now. That's fair. Because, um, yeah, I mean, she is being introduced into something for the first time that already has kind of an established look. So I can see that being kind of jarring if they do the, the Plastic Man look. Yeah. Save it for Plastic Man or save it for Reed. Um, who's going to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when Fantastic again. Four is coming out, but. <laughs> it's. It's a. Uh... It's being shot right now, right? Or is it in still uh, in production? I thought it was in pre because I know. Um, uh, well, Spider Man had to get finished, so I don't know where it's at right now. It might be in pre. Um, if it's being shot, you know, we'll get some we'll get some scans from it soon. Uh, you know, some fan or some uh, paparazzi member, you know. Yeah getting someone coming in and out of a building or some shit. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, that was that. And the boys up to date on, on that. Um, really fun show. Uh, intensely visceral. Things. Yeah. Intense. It's like a invincible. I don't know if you had a chance to see that yet either. I have not yet. <laughs> Yeah, why are you watching all this shit like this old house remakes? But you're not watching Invincible. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? I got a bone. You know, to pick I never got you. into the uh, the Invincible comic, but I do have a friend who who is a comics artist, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Dude, Invincible is like, like the way he was describing it. He's like, Invincible was like the comic coming out now, but it's it's like what re- reading." Um, you know, the Avengers back in the sixties when they first started was like, mm-hmm. like it's got deep lore and it's, it's like yeah. a, a deeper understanding of the superhero genre as a comic form. Um, yeah, it is interesting. I, I haven't delved into the comic material. Um, one, because there's a lot of other things I'd like to do that I don't, I don't do. Um, <laughs> And uh, two, I'm just gonna just watch it in the uh, the animated format since that first series was just done so well, so well. Um, yeah, watch binge watch. You know, maybe something else less for like a day or two, and just consume all the Invincibles. You owe yourself. You owe yourself that. Well, the Invincible is only um, um what like ten ten episodes, if that. Something like that. They're all about an hour though, I think. Oh, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so great. So, so great. Uh, and if you don't have familiarity with the comic material, I think it's even better. Okay. Um, Cause then you just get to watch it as it, as it occurs. Um, if you are familiar with the comic material, I'm sure they take some liberties the same way they've done with the, uh, the boys. The boys is really great too. That first and second season, I think were really strong. The third season, um, was still entertaining. And then this one, yeah, they, they I'd say they've all had different things that they've done really well story-wise as far as the boys. So there's like a reason to watch each season to keep you invested. Um, this one, I probably have the least amount of investment in, but I'm also still going to watch it. So I'd say that that though is because like the bar has been so high in past seasons that like, if the threshold, like if it was scoring like a 20, you know, in other seasons right now, I'm hitting it like 14, 15. So it's still really high in comparison to uh, other things. Um, it's not like a, uh, a circumstance like Legion where like I really kind of fizzled out on that last season and I haven't finished it up yet. Because the first and second season of Legion were just so remarkable. Another thing you need to stop watching your This Whole Hell stuff and just watch Legion. The first, the first and second season. It's, I, it's one I keep meaning to start, and then I just, I don't. Um. Yeah. Um, Zach says his cue. It's like, uh, what what would be like that? That'd be like, uh, uh, that's like our government saying they they have a goal to like erase homelessness. You know, we have that as the goal. It's like, yeah. When's that going to happen now? <laughs> I'm calling you the task here, Zach. <laughs> it's in your queue. Zach, Zach has more than one queue. He's got like 30 million queues. Um, he's the queue master. Um, so that's really great. The first and second season of that, I think, are fantastic. Some of the best um, television I've seen uh, past couple of years. Um. And uh, yeah, so boys is good, good stuff. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it for me. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, shift into Night Riders. <laughs> um, like I said at the top, it's uh, 1981. Um, this is one of the weird non-horror George, uh, George Romero movies. Um, it surprisingly has a Rotten Tomatoes of 77 percent. Um, and from what I was seeing, he had uh, originally conceived this as more of a period piece, but then he was forced to kind of re-envision that. Um, he, he got his start doing like racing documentaries, and so he had more familiarity with machines. And also, I think that there were there were problems with getting the actors insured and certified with the budget they were working with for riding Mm -hmm. horses um because apparently it's more expensive for your actors to ride a horse in a movie than it is for them to like i don't know risk maiming themselves by driving a motorcycle (laughs) man some of the stunts in this movie Um, 
yeah yeah it's um like i i think it's funny one of the the notes that i found was romero specifically cited the society for creative anachronism and the renaissance festivals as inspiration not shit like (laughs) for anyone who hasn't seen this movie it's um the carnies in a ren fair uh who motorcycle joust instead of horse jousting um that is a parable for the uh knights of the round table um with ed harris as king arthur um <laughs> uh you've watched this movie more recently than i what was your experience like watching this um well it, it that brings to question if he originally conceived this as a period piece i don't quite get it um yeah. I, I would have to see that if if it originally was conceived that way, that there had to have been rewrites, like yeah. extensively. Because um, I don't, if he was actually going to try to do like, as it is in its format, it serves as a parable, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was it going to be? Like another rendition of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table? Is that originally how he was going to conceive it? Um, so my understanding is that he was, his intention was to do, um, did you ever watch that Clive Owen movie, uh, called King Arthur that came out? Um, it's so, so the, and what I mean by that is that movie is framed in a way that it's a King Arthur movie, but it is the storyline is set up in a way that it's um historically more likely what happened with if there were a real king arthur um Mm -hmm. where it's like oh yeah no he's he's the commander of a troop of people who are all roman who are garrisoned Mm -hmm. in england uh merlin is a is a druid right like so Mm -hmm. so it it reframes it more in a historical like a historical fantasy sort of mm-hmm. sort of way than than a um like knights and dragons and the the king of england it's like no he's the leader of a garrison from the roman empire <laughs> like that's yeah. if there were a king arthur in the year 900 yeah. this is probably what that would have looked like in actuality yeah. um, i guess my question in in hearing that original intention is still like what the hell was this going to be before it was carnies on motorcycles? Oh, I have um, no clue. It's yeah, um, that's that's the because it, it's it's so what it is now. Yeah, that what it was going to be uh, without like extensive like backstory. Because um, I only really harp on that point to maybe try to suss out what he was trying to do with this movie. Um. Because this movie, for me, seeing it recently, as you said, ends up being a movie about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship that Ed Harris's character has to his um, his people. Uh, the level of commitment that Ed Harris's character has to uh, this religious fever of being a carny troop um, and maintaining the purity of like them just like gallivanting you know obviously intentionally grabbed that word yeah (laughs) about um 
in serving like these little carnival festivals where they do jousting um, on motorcycles and and him trying to maintain that there's a purity to that and not like popularizing it so that they could maybe like become more like a successful troop. Yeah. You know, maybe like a motorcycle version of uh, Cirque du Soleil, you know, something like yeah. that. Um, not that there aren't motorcycles in Cirque du Soleil, but um, it just, it comes across as confusing. And, and I think that's fine, especially if you're, if you're trying to film and do something with like a, um, like a magical realism sort of uh, conception. Because even the, uh, the doc, who, um, who apparently has some longstanding relationship with Ed Harris's character, <laughs> um, you know, talks about, you know, you taught me about magic and, uh, and whatnot, you know, this mythology. Um, yeah. And so Ed Harris really uh, commits to that and wants to keep what he does pure and non- popularized and keep it like relating to family and uh and whatnot and it comes across as him almost like he's just dealing with some issues like some kind of mental issues um like you know like he has this commitment and this fever to it and it's ed harris is great at giving this manic passioned performance and committing to a concept he really is uh, and and has made a career out of that like if you think about um you know the truman show and then harris's character uh you know believing that he's uh you know truman's father and like this concept is like a pure world and you know truman's world is more real than the real world uh because it like aligns that kind of commitment that's what you're seeing in Ed Harris's character in this movie. Mm-hmm. That same kind of commitment to this uh, this false reality, honestly. It's a false reality. The real part of it, though, is in the relationships with the people and, like, maintaining that camaraderie. Yeah. But even the, like, uh, the battleistic nature of in order to be the king, like, you defeat the king or you defeat his proxy um you know uh is so contrived it's just contrived there's nothing pure or the only purity in it is by your commitment to it you know um and maybe that's some of the central message but it just i don't really know what romero was really trying to say with this movie um so i was theories yeah, I was entertained by it. Um, it this did feel a little you, long. This didn't have you mm. wanting to punch me in the face like D and D did, did it? No, no, because there's you know actual <laughs> artistry here, um, and there's good performances. Yeah, and there's a reason. There's a reason for the narrative existing and you following it along. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's interesting actors and characters. Uh, and set pieces and um, plot development. Um, so these are all the things that D and D was missing, um, and uh, narrative buildup, 
and well, so... a reason for existing. No, I'm not done yet. I still <laughs> okay. have more things that this has that we didn't have. Um, so um, I enjoyed the movie. It, it for me though, it's it's a puzzling experience, more just like out of curiosity as to like what what was being sussed out here. Um, yeah. So that's that's my initial take on, on so, that little aspect of it. So my first exposure to this movie was um I I uh tagged along in college. My wife was was taking a class um that was focused on Arthurian legend, right? As a as a literary set of literary works. Um mm-hmm. And I don't know why <laughs> the professor chose this movie because, yeah, I mean, it, it it's kind of Arthurian, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's got tropes in there like like with the Fisher King where the troop is not doing well when the king is not doing well. Like the, 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 the um, body of the land is reflected of, reflective of the body of the king. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you could make an argument there. I've part of me thinks that it's it's appealing to boomer ideology even though romero was not a boomer like he he's he's still in that that right age range to be mm-hmm. part of the whole counterculture um fuck the man we'll get by doing what we can do right type yeah. type mentality mm-hmm. i've seen i think it's tom savini who who laid out the theory that what George Romero was doing was making a movie masked as an Arthurian legend that was really a movie about making a movie, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you which kind of works honestly, like if if you look at this movie through the lens of okay, the king is the director, um, yeah. and the work the performance is the movie right so when when the director finally accepts that you at some point have to stop working with your crew so that the the work can be seen um Mm -hmm. that's that's him killing himself and and death of the artist is is the the idea there um yeah I I don't know how much I buy that reading of it. Like to me, that kind of seems like bullshit that someone is just pontificating on. Um so yeah, I I I like the movie. I I feel like there is a deeper meaning there. It's just it's so obfuscated that it's not um like everyone's gonna walk away with their own interpretation. Um it's mm-hmm because the it the movie is kind of a day like it it starts out as a day in the life of this this motorcycle troop that moves around from Renfair to Renfair doing their their jousting on motorcycles which they're impressive stunts i mean i certainly wouldn't want to joust someone while also driving a motorcycle <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um but it's it you know it they spend a lot of time following this troop but you know 
going from location to location where it's like, yeah, sometimes, you know, the king's going to spend the night in jail because uh, because they didn't they didn't bribe a cop on their travels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes your troop is going to get fucked with because they slept with the wrong farmer's daughter <laughs> in, yeah. in that particular town. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of takes a takes a detour at one point that I, I feel like it could have been cut out where, where it kind of follows the um well and maybe not like you you may have seen a different version of this movie because i know there's several different ones um my my version is like two and a half hours but they could have probably cut this like 15 20 minute scene out where it just follows the side characters like it follows um Pippin, and it, it follows people doing things related to the troop, but they're all separated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, How dare you? I needed to see Tom Zavini in a photo spread. <laughs> like, that was that was one of the best parts of the movie. Oh, I mean that that is a pretty good part of the movie. <laughs> He's so ruggedly ruggedly handsome. He he is. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, like I I. I really like this movie. I that I can see it not having done well though, just because who who else is going to watch this movie? Like the the stoned out people who are just like fuck the man, yeah, are, are going to go see this. And I, I feel like 1981 is a little late for that type of movie to come out. Yeah, because I feel like in 81 everything started taking that right turn. That was like, you know wall streety and greed is good and so on and so forth yeah it definitely feels like a movie from a different time or trying to um yeah establish and put out this different ethos um i mean honestly to me whenever i watch it i always forget that it's from the 80s like i always think it's from like 1974 or something <laughs> And part of that is it being such a low budget movie. Because, um, like, they've got good actors, but they're good actors at the very, very start of their career. So yeah. they're willing to work for peanuts and just give it their all, right? Yeah, boy, did they. Some of the uh, the motorcycle accidents that they undergo, which what, what they are, are just, like, brutal. You know, the the one with the stick between the spokes, um, Mm -hmm. I I don't know how they faked that because it looks like it's a wonder. So it looks like Uh a guy in armor just decided to do a flip over the handlebars. (laughs) And this it goes back to that jackass thing. Um the commitment to that. I just can't. I can't see it. And it doesn't look like the film is like sped up or anything like that. It could be. Um, but it just looks like he just drove into that spoke and got flipped the fuck over. Yeah. Um, that's really what it looks like. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, I guess what it is is that Ed Harris's character, you really don't understand what he's committed to. And I think it's because you get all these other characters 
um, you know, Savini's character primarily, and even uh, Ed Harris's lady friend, who are like, listen, uh, like we need you um, to not be in jail. Um, we also need to maybe have some more flexibility into what the purpose of this troop is. And Ed Harris is so committed to his vision, which to me, actually, Savini's interpretation of like a director that's too committed to their vision makes sense yeah. with how it's it's placed uh, as a potential interpretation of a story. And one thing too, a story doesn't always doesn't have to just be one thing, right? Because it can be a story about a troop of motorcycle heathens, and it can also be a story about a director and figuring out how to let go. Yeah. of his own creative process to allow it to be more collaborative to like allow other people to become involved in it um and to maybe realize that he has a vision for it but once it gets underway like that vision's going to change yeah um and he can either fight that tooth and nail or he can embrace that process and come out with something you know um i feel like ed harris's character nominally does that with passing that to and there's there's two interpretations to it uh, that immediately come to mind he nominally does that by handing the crown off to savini and not being uh, a tyrant and saying no i don't care i'm still going to keep the crown on and betraying his own values and, and whatnot um and then allowing a new creative process to unfold because Savini is obviously going to run it a little bit differently. Um, and Harris isn't going to be the king anymore, you know? Um, so there's, you know, the death of an artist interpretation where, okay, I can only commit to this art so long. I have to pass it down to the next generation. This is no longer my baby. It's going to have a life after me, you know? which is like any creative work that has, um, you know, Dawn of the Dead and other uh, Romero pictures have a life after him, you know, cause he's gone, you know? Um, and so there's that interpretation. There's also, and the initial interpretation I, I felt upon watching it was Ed Harris's character doesn't really move past the fact that, um, it's not going to be the way he's going to be because he he dies and he closes his eyes and he gets hit by some Mack truck, um, yeah. which you see, it's not really a Mack truck, but it's, it, I think it was like a GMC or something, but it has black wings. And I mentioned this to you. Yeah. Like it has like these black little wing tips, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, could be, that's his actual uh, thing that was coming to, uh, to kill him that he uh, relinquished himself to. So I feel like that artist-director interpretation fits uh, in some ways there, um, yeah. depending on how you want to look at it. Um, it. It's messy, but I feel like um, it's intentionally messy in some ways um, by having that little segue of them like, disappearing on and you know you could take the analogy like way too far like yeah. like a movie sometimes <laughs> it has like a pause in production and 
you got to bring the cast back together to like finish it up with like a reshoot or like it breaks up, you know, you, you got right till pre-production, but then you didn't really get to like actual production. uh, And you had to wait a little bit to like some other gears move or et cetera, a studio had to change or some shit. Um, So that makes some sense to me. Um, I guess the initial watch was kind of like, what is, what's the point? You know, what's the point um, of this movie? And maybe it's like, you know, what's the point of artistic, uh, again, taking the analogy too far, of artistic creation in general, you know? Uh, I guess it's it's going to be out of Ed Harris's hands, you know, like it's out of a director's hands or any kind of creative person. And it's going to have to live a life on its own, you know? Um, and that's the best case scenario where it does live life where it's not like a forgotten work, you know, um, yeah. because Savini's character um, gets to, uh, you know, gets to have that exist. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I've expounded as, as artistically as I can. I, I will say I, I do love the end of the movie when he leaves the troupe and he, you know, reconnects with that kid and actually, cause if at the beginning there's a kid that tries to get his autograph and he's like, fuck off child. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I mean, I can't say that I hate the fact that he goes to where this overweight cop is and just in a full suit of armor in a donut shop, just beats the absolute piss out of him. <laughs> I do think it's very funny. Um yeah, and the way the uh, the rest of the diner patrons respond to that is really the funniest bit. Yeah. Like someone just like beat the shit out of this cop. They're not calling nine one one. They're all in armor. Like, He's in full armor, and they're just like clapping. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, this guy looks that. like someone who's obviously unhinged. <laughs> um, and they're just like, "Yay!" I mean, um, I would cheer if I saw some dude dressed in plate mail come in and just beat the absolute piss out of some cop in a donut yeah. shop <laughs> yeah i mean he didn't kill the guy so there's that no um <laughs> so it's uh it's weird there because then yeah you are that's a fantasy in so much as like no one ever gets to tie up all their loose ends you know no 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 one you, you how do know tie how, up, yeah yeah, how the fuck did he know, one, where that cop was? I guess maybe he knew he'd be at the diner or something. Maybe he asked somebody else. It's a small town. Maybe there's only one goddamn diner there. Yeah. Two, like, he knew where this kid was going to school. I guess he knew his age. That's the the middle school that's there. Yeah. So suspension of disbelief there. But him being able to do that all before he bled out, it is a, it's a fantasy, you know, yeah. in, that, oh, in yeah. that regard. Um. So yeah, interesting, interesting film. Um, I'd say I can recommend if you like slow movies. This this is definitely a slow ass movie. Um, it is very but slow. It's, stuff still happens. Yeah. It's not like you have like paces where you just there's nothing going on. You know, there's still stuff moving on. Right. Um, and. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can give it a recommend because uh, <laughs> I don't know if you'd like anyone would like it in particular. 
But um, yeah, if you're a Romero fan and uh, you want to see some other weird shit that he's done, if you want to see Ed Harris's ass, I think you get to see his ass. Yeah, you Maybe see it. You see a lot of naked Ed Harris. Um, no, not you. Don't get any frontal. Okay, don't get yeah, people not, too excited. Frontal. Yeah. Um, and Ed Harris's performance is is cool. And um, oh, you get some topless shots too. You know, for the topless shots fans. Yeah, I mean, um, it is a George Romero movie. Um, you're, yeah, he you're knows what he knows what brings the asses in seats. Yeah. Well, it's funny. This is um, one of the the critics I found. Um, uh, let me scroll down here. Yeah. So in mm-hmm. the cinema of George Romero, Night Riders is a highly personal and sincere film revealing utopian ideals in a cinematically allegorical manner. Um, although flawed by its long running time and its over emphatic dialogue scenes, it is nonetheless one of the director's major achievements, which deserves more recognition. Is uh, that's, that's from Tony Williams. Um, writing in the cinema of George A. Romero. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Like, he's he's mainly known as this gory zombie guy, but, like, that's a very small portion of his his uh, professional output, mm-hmm. I think, because um, that's only, like, four or five films. Um, let me see. Yeah, and the the best part of his uh, even his zombie output is the human relationships. Yeah, um, which a lot of you know subsequent zombie media really misses the mark on. Yeah, you know the monsters are just there, but if you don't have interesting uh, character relationships, it it just falls flat. Like when um, I think it's when the Dawn of the Dead, the one with the mall. Yeah, yeah Dawn of the Dead. In the original one, when you have the one character who passes away, and he has um, the cover draped over his face, uh, and he's you know this reckless guy who's like obviously maybe has some issues, um, uh, you know, either dealing with the current trauma of the zombie apocalypse or something else beforehand. Um, I think it's probably a combination of both. Uh, he transitions, you know, into a zombie and he starts to rise. And then the other character who is just his friend, you know, who had to watch him pass away, had to shoot him. Um, and so you feel that moment. You feel the moment too there when uh, their other friend um, zombified, but still remembers the location of the passageway that leads to their, their little part of the mall that they sequestered off. And he starts breaking through. Um, and so um, those moments are most poignant in the film. You know, it's not the zombies encroaching on everybody and ripping up. The only reason that even matters is because of all the setup you've done before. Um, whether it's like someone getting their just desserts and getting like their guts ripped out, that's only satisfying because you that guy you know is an asshole. You know, yeah. and you really want them to get his just desserts. So um, this kind of allows them to expound upon you know, relationship-based narrative and whatnot, so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't hate it, so. No, well, good. Um, You will, um, 
probably hate the next thing that we're covering. <laughs> Don't test my limit, Zach. What is wrong with you? This we I have will a good say, friendship going on. <laughs> I will say the next thing that, that we're covering um, is probably the worst thing. Um, no, no, no. That's what you said about D&D. You son of a bitch. No, you lied. No, yeah, you did. no, no, no. I you, said, you, you, did, you said this is going to be the worst movie that I've picked out, so I, it's all up. Okay, well, from so here. I take that back. I then I think that um, <laughs> so we're covering potentially Your Highness, which is a movie that I had never seen before, and then three months ago I found it on Netflix and was like, "Wait, what the hell is this? This is what the D and D movie." Should be. <laughs> um. It, but it's it's from 2011. It's got um, James Franco, Danny McBride, Natalie Portman, Zoe Deschanel, Charles Dance, and Justin Theroux in it. I had never heard of this movie. Yeah, no, neither have I. I'm looking up the whatever. Uh, it's a it's a fantasy stoner comedy. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Pineapple Express. Uh, I just watched that again recently. Oh, really? Um, How? Because um, I, I, I flip, uh, put it on, uh, it was on Amazon Prime, and I was like, man, this is way slower than I remember it being. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's it hasn't aged well, in my opinion. Well, it's one of those it's one of those things that you had the movie come out, and then people were just trying to top it. Mm-hmm. From like an action level and absurdity level, yeah. so a lot of the things seem tame in comparison. Yeah. Whereas when you originally watched it, it was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you've seen so much of that kind of media where they've had to like push the envelope further and further. Yeah. From like either a stoner flick or like crazy rom com kind of thing. Yeah. yeah that yeah. it it's hard to come back to it, and because your barometer is now so calibrated. For like such a higher level, um, you know, there's stuff that happens in um, uh, what is it? Um, what is that movie where they go to Vegas? Um, Three thousand miles to Graceland. N- no, you're like oh, not even uh, oh, the Hangover, the Hangover, Hangover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's stuff in the Hangover that feels crazier even though that didn't come out much longer i think it's like the year after or something yeah um that feels like more like wacky and out there um and then it just kept on going from there you know um um so yeah some of the stuff seems really tame in comparison um yeah so uh there's there's so far where this just turns into abusive relationships that <laughs> Where you're just making me watch the dredges of the dredges. No, 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 no. That, like, like, so D&D is the lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes score. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Your Highness is a little bit higher. Um, <laughs> Relative term? Yeah, well, it's Rotten Tomatoes is 28% and not 10%. <laughs> Um, yeah. but it is actually, it's, it's more of a, a modern comedy, uh, I will say just as a little preview. So that's what we'll be talking about. Um, current book club book is Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End. Um, 
and yeah we'll see you guys on the flippy floppy yeah we're gonna be talking zach's actually gonna be talking about the next one so richard broke up with me um <laughs> he just doesn't want to be friends anymore it's so. one of those before and after things where it's just like, yeah doo, doo, doo. <laughs> yeah <laughs> sad piano music yeah put some rain in the so, background yeah i don't think uh your highness is gonna be um because I, I thought you were just pulling from the obscure bin the, the poop bin again but oh no it, i mean because is... i i own it digitally i just don't <laughs> i don't have it physically yeah. i would ship it to you if i if i had it physically this is probably watchable we'll yeah well and also it's short is the thing is i i kind of felt bad doing night riders with two and because I, I always forget that it's two and a half hours um yeah for whatever reason i think that it's shorter and your highness is like barely an hour and a half i think like there yeah. might be some some like bloopers and shit over the credits but but i i want to say it's like an hour and a half it's it's not very long right. <laughs> yeah when when is my stuff coming up that's what i want to know oh it's coming up it's coming up mm-hmm. we're, we're still covering up um for the uh the the run of resident evil see the thing is though i didn't know the resident evil was like my shtick i thought that was shared i thought we were oh, just okay yeah. yeah i was i was grossly had a gross misconception there oh gotcha um yeah. well no i mean you do have stuff coming up <laughs> it's yeah. um i just love giving zach shit guys yeah so with that, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.